Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. I hate this place. I do. Ed Graney. I'm telling you, I hate it. Tyler Bischoff. I'm in a hostile environment. I am completely unprepared. I'm surrounded by people who probably want to kick my ass. It's like being back in high school. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's Ed, Tyler, Danny running the show. Danny, it's a Wednesday. What are you doing? Right. I don't know what I'm doing here. Normally, I do a healthy show, but hey, I was asked by Jared, and I said absolutely. All right. Jared's just gone. Danny's okay. a team player. It's okay. Danny's here to replace Jared. Probably be better. Probably <laughs> better off that way. Uh, Ed, you know what I'm not going to do today? I am not going to spend the entire show making fun of John Gruden and Mike Mayock's draft picks. You're not going to do that. Yeah, we could do the whole show on that, but I'm not going to make this about John Gruden and Mike Mayock can't draft because I feel like we've talked about that plenty, right? So you're wrong to think that my column tomorrow is going to be on John Gruden and Mike Mayock <laughs> because that's what it was going to be on. So I guess I should change the lead. No, no, go for it. Go for it. It, it Listen, it's deserved. Absolutely deserved because the Raiders traded away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper to get a whole bunch of first round picks to create this rebuilding effort. And then Mayock, and here I am doing exactly what I told you I was going to do. And then Mayock and Gruden, they literally missed on six straight first-round picks. Yeah. Right? You can you can argue they didn't miss on Josh Jacobs because he's been a fine running back. But generally speaking, you shouldn't take running backs in the first round. But the Raiders had six first-round picks and missed on all of them. And the like for a Raiders fan, this team still went to the postseason last year. This team is still... Even by win totals, even though they're supposed to be the worst team in the AFC West, they're still projected to be a 500 or better team this year. They could still be back in the postseason. But the real problem is we talk so much about quarterbacks on their rookie deals. It's valuable for other positions, too. It's valuable to have a defensive end. It's valuable to have a safety on a rookie contract. Imagine if they had hit on just like two of those guys. Imagine if Jonathan Abram was a top 15 safety in the league. Imagine if Henry Ruggs was a top 20 wide receiver in the league on this team. How big of a difference that would make right, to this team and the future, right? But they missed on literally six straight first-round picks. Now, do you think they missed on Ruggs and Arnett, or that was more extenuating circumstances of the trouble they got in? They could have been good. So, well, Ruggs. Ruggs. Arnett. Ruggs. We, we didn't see saw a lot an, of Arnett. We but saw what enough. We, did see, we saw enough they of Arnett. Missed. Rugs, possibly. Yes, that one is that one is probably the one you can point to and say Cruden and Mayock don't deserve blame no. for that one. But that's the whole point of having the six first round picks in three years is that, okay, one of them, something happens that you don't control. You still had five other ones, and those five other ones aren't actually very helpful. They're not actually leading to the Raiders winning more games like they probably should have been. The first bite. Should the Raiders have kept Alex Leatherwood? Can you tell me how good Jermaine Illuminor and <laughs> Thayer Munford will be? Can you tell me how good they're going to be? Because if they're going to be great, then I don't have as much problem with what they did. So, and, th- and that's the key there. How good are those two? Because I'm personally... I'm not expecting Illuminor or Thayer Munford to be great right tackles. I'm not expecting them to be, oh, that guy is definitely a top 15 tackle in the league. I think if you're the Raiders, you're 
you're hoping one of them is a top 50 tackle in the league, honestly. Like, that's kind of what you're hoping for at the moment. So the Raiders, by cutting Alex Leatherwood after his rookie season, means they'll have a $7.8 million dead cap hit this year. Leatherwood's going to cost them almost $8 million against the cap this year. Not to play for them. Not to play. And $3.9 million next year. So you're looking at over the course of two seasons, more than $11 million against the cap that Leatherwood is going to cost them to not be on the roster. And so when you look at Jermaine uh, Illuminor and Thayer Munford, the question becomes, specifically for this year, are either one of those guys $8 million better than Alex Leatherwood? We saw a lot of Alex Leatherwood, and the answer might be yes. It might be yes. It might be yes. But I also have a hard time believing that Thayer Munford is $8 million better than Alex Leatherwood. Well, we don't even know if he's healthy. Right. So that, to me, is, is you look at sort of roster building, the salary cap, the Raiders burned $8 million yesterday. They took it and they lit it on fire because they thought Thayer Munford was better than Alex Leatherwood. And if Thayer Munford is a little bit better than Alex Leatherwood, they should not have done that. Thayer Munford has to be $8 million better than Alex Leatherwood for that to happen. And I'll, and I'll use this as an example. What happens if Indomitian Sue signs in the next week or so for $7.5 million? Not with the Raiders, with a different team. Then the argument is pretty simply, would you rather have Alex Leatherwood and Indomitian Sue or Thayer Munford? And the answer Angelane, and Jermaine Eleanor. Well, he, I think one, one of them would be on the team regardless. Leatherwood would only have taken one of their spots. Like if they had kept Leatherwood, then Thayer Munford would be gone. And Illuminor would still be on the team. So Mun, just using Sue as the example, Thayer Munford and Dominican Sue, or excuse me, Alex Leatherwood and Dominican Sue or Thayer Munford. Is Thayer Munford so much better than Alex Leatherwood that you're okay not getting in Dominican Sue? I don't know why I'm not them, but by now, if they liked Sue, don't you think they would have made a right, move on? Right, and that's just an And example. I have no idea why. Right. I and have no idea why they did. I, I don't know why they don't yeah, well, like him, but I don't no, think they do. Nobody has, which is yeah, exactly, the weird part. Exactly. No, but nobody's touched them. He's been solid. Um, he's been healthy. He's a guy, I think I think the number was he's missed two games in like an eight-year career or something like that. And for so, whatever reason, nobody wants him. Right, and I I guess he's probably asking for too much money. Like if, if Indomitian Sue was like, I'll play for $2 million, he would have been signed by right. now. I imagine. So maybe he's asking for more money than every team is willing to give him at the moment. So maybe, or maybe he was asking for too much money trying to get through training camp and avoid it all. And now that training camp's over, he'll be like, all right, I'll play for 4 million. Right. Like we're good to go. But that's like, that's just an example of, okay, what could the Raiders do with almost $8 million in cap space? It could be a player like Indomitian Sue that they could have had. And they decided, nope, we're going to light that money on fire because we think Thayer Munford is that much better than Alex Leatherwood. I just have a hard time believing that Munford is that much better than Leatherwood. Even though we've seen Leatherwood and we know he's bad, I just can't imagine Munford is worth the $8 million dead cap hit. I mean, I, I got to see how they play. But, you know, what you say makes a lot of sense um, in terms of the money. I wonder if there's something else there we don't know about. With Leatherwood? Yeah, I don't know. Or with Munford? No, no. <laughs> they think he's a superstar. No. Well, they might think he's a superstar, but a seventh-round pick, I don't know if they think he's a superstar. Uh, but I wonder if there's more there with Leatherwood that they would move on from him other than he's not any good. Right. Because, again, the, the conversation, it's not like they chose a proven NFL right tackle over Alex Leatherwood. They chose two 
unproven guys. I mean, well, one guy who has not proven himself time and again, right? And then one guy who's unproven because yeah. he's a rookie. So it's it's again, it's I think it was a mistake simply from the cap situation. Even if you think Thayer Munford is better than Leatherwood, he's probably not eight million dollars better than Leatherwood. The other move the Raiders made yesterday that was notable: Trayvon Mullen traded to the Cardinals. The Raiders are getting a seventh round pick in return. It could become a sixth rounder that is dependent on Trayvon Mullen's playing time. So I'm guessing if they cut him or something, it stays as a seventh. I don't know what the actual details are for how it bumps up to a sixth. Did the Raiders trade a starting quarterback for a seventh or sixth round pick yesterday? I think they traded a guy that they were going to release if they couldn't get something for him. You, so you think they would have released they were, him? I think they would release him. I mean, that makes sense, that given that they traded him for a seventh, maybe sixth round pick. So who are the starting quarterbacks? Obviously, they traded for Rocky Sen, so I assume he's locked into a starting spot. Is I guess it depends on what what defense they're in, because it could be Rocky Sen and Nate Hobbs, or it could be Rocky Sen and Anthony Averett and Nate Hobbs still on the field as well. Yeah. Because I think he's going to play inside and outside. So Rocky Sen for sure, and Anthony Everett. I was surprised Amik Robertson made it. Sam Webb made it. Um there were surprises on the 53. And, you know, look, they said from the beginning, both of them, McDaniels and Ziggler, now you want to agree with this or not, that they were building their team based on who they thought was competitive uh, and who earned the roles. And when you see the Sam Webbs and the Amik Robertson, I guess they thought that because I thought Mullen was going to make the cut over those two. Yeah. And I he mean, didn't. He was. They moved him. He was a presumed starter, right? Like. Bef- yeah, before he got, I mean, he was hurt and he just got right. back. But yeah, well, yeah, he was a presumed starter along with Rocky Sim. Yeah, I mean, twenty four hours ago, we would if we were writing out. There's no way we would. There's yeah. no way we'd have put uh, Mullen off the fifty three. So the interesting part here is let's let's say it's you know, Nate Hobbs is locked in as one of the top two corners on this team. Whether he plays inside or outside, that could he'll probably play both over the course of the season. Nate Hobbs might be your second best cornerback and he's played 16 career games in the NFL and he was fine last year. Wasn't anything special. And he might be your second best. How like, is this secondary going to be any good this season? I guess it depends also on the Jonathan Abrams and the Trayvon Morgs. Cause okay. If we go through the secondary, how many players in the secondary are top 15 at their position is Rocky Austin a top 15 corner. Probably not. Is Trayvon Merrig a top no. 15 safety? With a chance to be. Maybe. Right. I, I think, think he's those got a two chance to be. do. But you don't have like, oh, yeah, that guy's clearly a number, a top 10, top 15 safety. Or that You have maybe a couple guys that could. And then you're counting on Jonathan Abram, who we've seen for multiple years under a couple different defensive coordinators, not be any good covering down the field. Maybe Patrick Graham unlocks something there. And then Anthony Averett, Nate Hobbs, Sam Webb, Amik Robertson, like, I don't, I didn't have a lot. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I had a lot of optimism before cuts yesterday, but I have a hard time seeing the secondary being good this year. I think it's the problem. Like I, I just have a hard time seeing that group of guys. Cause you're, you're counting on either completely unproven players being at least average or guys that are decent being really good. Like Merrick mm-hmm. and, and Rocky Asen. And even if one of those happens, like if Trayvon Merrick, because oh, he's the eighth, if he's, he's a top 10 safety in the league. Even if you get that, but all the other guys sort of live up to expectations or below, you still have a bad secondary. Like, you're going to need at least two of these guys to exceed expectations this year. And I just have a hard time believing that two of them are going to be that much better than what everybody thinks of them right now. 
Well, maybe. I mean, they it's a, it's a lot there's a lot of guys in the cornerback room, but like you said there's not a lot of proven guys. Um I think that this these are the two positions that we're going over that has the most question marks. Yeah. Right tackle and the secondary. Yeah. And by the way, those are pretty important positions. Yes. <laughs> secondary <laughs> maybe more as a whole. Uh it's not your left tackle, it's your right tackle. So secondary maybe as a whole. But, yeah, these are the two after the 53 you looked at and you had probably the most questions. So you're, the, the, what the Raiders are counting on, they are counting on offensively McDaniels and Carr scheming and playing around a below-average offensive line, right? That's basically what they're I, – I don't think the Raiders actually believe they are going to have a good offensive line this year. They would say it publicly, but they I don't – wouldn't it, say it publicly. Yeah, I wouldn't say it. If you got them to tell the truth, I bet they'd say, yeah, we're probably going to have a below-average offensive line. So you need your quarterback and your offensive play caller to scheme and play around that. And then defensively, they need Crosby and Chandler Jones to be so good that a bad secondary looks average, right? Like that's the two things they're counting on. Both of those are completely possible, right? Jones and Crosby might be so good that the secondary only has to defend for two and a half seconds or whatever for the majority of plays and they look fine because of it. And Carr and McDaniels might be so good that we don't even know that Thayer Munford or Jermaine Elmanor is not that good at right tackle. But those are also the two places that what happens when Carr doesn't have something in the pocket or doesn't have good pocket awareness. What happens when Jones and Crosby have a bad game and just can't get to the quarterback? Those can holes cover, can you cover in the back end? Right. I think those holes become exposed very quickly. And in this division, you look at the quarterbacks they're playing and you look at the defensive ends or the edge rushers they're playing. This division is loaded. Every mm-hmm. single team has a good quarterback. Every single team has, has good, good edge edges. Rushers. So this division specifically, like they don't have a layup. They don't have, Oh, here come the jets and Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco who can't throw the ball. Right? Like you, they don't have that in this division. It is every single divisional game. Their two biggest weaknesses have a chance to be blown wide open. All right. Coming up next. We'll jump into some of the Golden Knights and see if uh, Golden Knights fans, they like this front office anymore. You You can tweet at us or you can send us a text message. 69187 is the Finley Kia text line. Preface your message with ESPN. Um, We're going to talk Golden Knights here. You're going to got a tweet ahead of time from Ryan. Yeah, Ryan's all over this. He is. Uh, Ryan said they should have thrown out the VGK front office with Pete DeBoer. There was no point in giving them an extra year. They will get flushed after VGK fails to live up to expectations a second year in a row. Does Ryan is Ryan sent our rundown? He might be. Ryan's <laughs> got access to our Google Doc and is looking at our rundown. So the Golden Knights front office here. Actually, I want to start with Ryan's question there. VGK fails to live up to expectations. What are their expectations? Well, VGK's expectations is to compete for a cup. Okay. So Bill Foley's expectations is to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, that should be their expectations. Okay. I I agree. I just, I'm. That should be their their expectations internally. Right. I just, it's just what exactly does fail up to, fail to expectations mean? Because I don't think either one, if, if the Golden Knights made the playoffs and lost in the first round, I don't think either one of us would be like, oh, they failed to live up to expectations, right? That'd kind of be expected to make the postseason but not make a deep run right with the team they have right now yeah. right so I, I, yeah. if they lost in the first round i'd be like yeah it's sort of what it was expected but bill foley might think differently so there was a story in the athletic uh they've done this every offseason where they pull fans of every team and get their opinions on not only their favorite team but every team in the league and get their opinions on the front office to see how much 
fan bases have confidence or trust in the front office. The Golden Knights, out of all 32 NHL teams, their front office got ranked 31st. The Philadelphia Flyers were the only organization that had a worse front office trust from fans. Now, the way they do this is they break it down into a few different categories. Roster building is one of the categories. The Golden Knights came in ranked 30th, again, out of 32 teams. Cap management, the Golden Knights came in at 31st. Philly was worse. I'm going to be honest. I haven't paid enough attention to Philadelphia's cap situation. But how the hell is it worse than the Golden Knights right now? Uh, Drafting and developing, the Golden Knights came in at 30th. I'm also not sure how there are two teams that are worse than the Golden Knights. Trading, the Golden Knights came in at 31st. Free agency, this is the only one they were in the top 30. 24th. And vision, 31st. So when you look at those, do any of those jump out as being unfair or too harsh to the Golden Knights? I mean, roster building 30th, I don't... It's tough because they've gone after so many big names. Um, and maybe that's why they're the drafting and developer 30th because they've gone after big names. They've built, I think, decent rosters, you know, in the past from going to the Western Conference Finals. Um, that let, Let's... Let's simplify this. This is just all fans, not just Vegas Golden Knights fans. So the way they do it is all fans vote on all teams, and then they more heavily weight the Golden Knights the fans. fans. But all fan bases contribute so to every team's rank. Fans of the Kings are voting on the Knights. Right, and vice versa. But the, but then when they actually do it, the, the own team's fans have a little bit more weight for each of their team's votes. But yes, correct. This is based on all NHL fans uh, that the Athletic polled or whatever okay. they do. Right. So yes, this is based on all fans. Not this is not just Golden Knights fans. Simply Golden Knights fans. Yes, correct. Okay. So the reputation of the Golden Knights across the league doesn't appear to be not very good. Stout. <laughs> not very good at all. Um to me, like taking roster building or trading as two examples, it all stems from the cap management, right? Their roster building and their trading wouldn't be that bad if their cap management was better, right? McPhee and McCrimmon know that Max Pacioretty should get traded for more than future considerations. Right. But because their cap management has been so bad, it has led them to make horrific trades. So this all stems from the whole, the cap management side of this, right? Their roster building is fine, right? But they keep running into the salary cap thing and keep getting the big name players. So their roster building looks pretty bad because of it. Because what have we talked about? Oh, Phil Kessel's the sixth or seventh best forward on this team already. And he probably Might be on the top line. Right. And that's because the roster building hasn't been good, but why? Because of the salary cap situation. And that's where this all, that's where it all stems from is what the golden Knights have done in spite of the cap over and over and over where they find themselves in a situation where they have to trade Mark Andre Fleury coming off winning the Vesna for Mikel Hakarainen for two days before that guy got released or whatever the hell they did with him, right? They find themselves then the very next year, oh, we have to trade Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coghlan for future considerations. All of that stems from cap management, which again, how is Philly worse? I have not figured out how Philly is considered worse Danny than has. Vegas. I, I also am with you. I'm not sure how that's possible because I'm looking at on uh, cap friendly at the team's projected caps right now. 
VGK has is eight million dollars over the cap yeah. more than right. Philadelphia. Philly's only at like uh, eighty four million, and VGK is at ninety two million. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Flyer fans who are in this poll. <laughs> that might be it. Philadelphia Flyer fans yeah. just hate their team so much that they do anything slightly wrong. Ah, worst in the league. So that's where this the fan bases or the multiple fans of different teams view this. I think the big question, though, does any of that matter to Bill Foley? No. If he saw that poll, I don't think that matters to him. I think he would just say, well, those are just fans, and fans are fickle, and they just don't like that we got we didn't make the playoffs, and I think he'd explain it away. If, I really do. If you sort of ask Bill Foley in the same way these fans He'd disagree asked, with the poll. So do you think Bill Foley would say, if you said, how, how would you rate your front office's cap management? How do you think Bill Foley would answer that? I think he would have reasons to believe it's better than it is, and he would come up with reasons. Would he say that it's good, or would he just tell you that it's not the worst in the league or second worst in the league? Because I don't think he would tell you either. I think okay. he would talk around it. He'd sort of explain certain yes. scenarios yes. and be like, exactly. ah, here's what happens. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because ultimately it's, it's how Bill Foley judges this front office. And I think you can call last year a failure, even with the injuries. You can call what happened last season a front office failure because they went all in on a player that was injured and it caused them to lose players during the season and in the offseason. And they missed the postseason because of injuries. So I think you can point to the front office and blame them for a lot of what happened last season. And to go back to uh, Ryan's question on Twitter about them not living up to expectations and getting flushed out the door after this year. Does this front office get fired if they get bounced in the first round? I think somebody does. Finally, if they get bounced in the first round, I think somebody does. Because I thought somebody was after this season, and I didn't think well, it was going to be thought, Pete DeBoer. I didn't, we both didn't <laughs> think it was going to be Pete DeBoer. No, we didn't We didn't think he was going to be the fall guy. But Either of us. Right. So if this season they don't, you know, obviously if you know make the Western Conference Finals, you technically fail right. to live up to Bill Foley's expectations. But, but it's the Western Conference Finals. Right. But if they miss the postseason or get Well, bounced if they the, miss the postseason, then you think they both you, could be gone? You have to have something. I'd be, I, that's what I'm fascinated to see because all of this is about fan base and like us in the media saying, what the hell are they doing? A lot of this looks terrible, but it's, we're not Bill Foley and he's the one that has, he ultimately has to say, right. And, and we have to assume he's like agreed to all of the moves they've made in some extent, right? right. It might be as simple as, Hey, Bill, this is what we're going to do. But as the owner, he could always stop him. He could always walk in and say, you're not trading Flurry, You're not trading Pacioretty. Figure something else out. Oh, he he's all- put complete trust in them. Right. There's no question about that. So he's the interesting one. And given what the fan base thinks of the front office, I wonder if it's a matter of Foley's just lagging behind or if Foley's going to be, in a sense, proven right and everything they did this offseason actually works out and they are cup contenders. But it's interesting to see what Bill Foley thinks of this team, especially after I don't after think either of us think they're going to be cup contenders. No, I do not at all. No, I think it's going to take a lot of good luck, uh, injury luck, and they've already had bad injury luck in the season still more than a month away. All right, coming up next, we'll stick here with the Golden Knights as Danny Webster joins the show. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Danny Webster. Good morning, Danny. How are you today? Danny. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you doing? All right, I'll start uh, with a very simple question. Aiden Hill. Why? 
Uh, good question. I haven't really figured out what in the world they're doing over the last 72 <laughs> hours or so, but I, I ultimately, in my opinion, I do think it comes down to the health of LeBron Persuade, whether they really feel like he's actually not going to be ready by the time the regular season rolls around. Uh, I think that's probably their best guess. Um, I don't know if they're going to take three goalies into the opening night roster. That would also be interesting, but I mean, that's why I don't get paid to make the decisions. <laughs> Do you believe he is better than Brossois or Thompson? I think there's an interesting case that can be made that given where he was playing the last couple of years, I think hindered his stats. And I think you can arguably make the case that if he gets in a better situation, he might actually take that next step in being a really good goalie, whether he's actually better then Thompson or Bressois, I don't know. But if anything, he's definitely uh, a Robin Leonard stopgap in the fact that he is six six and he can move. So I guess we'll see how that pans out. Uh, Mark Stone was going to be ready for training camp. Guess what? I guess he's not going to be ready for training camp. How concerned should fans be that Mark Stone's back is not good and this might be a lingering problem? I I think it should not be that much of a concern. I think given what apparently what everyone has said, that it's just a matter of whether he'll actually be ready for the regular season, whether he takes training camp off. I, I can understand the hysteria from that aspect, but I do think from everything that's been said, it does sound like that it it's pretty much on par with what everyone said. And I think that, Ultimately, he'll be ready for October 11th, and I think everything will be fine. Who, Who's like the seventh best forward on this team? They've got like a top six, and they, they signed Phil Kessel, but like who's the seventh best forward? on? Do they, do they have enough depth beyond what their top two lines could be to actually be a true contender this year? Yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest question, I think, and I thought ultimately they were going to work their way from their depth and figure out who exactly was going to be the best uh, fit depth wise in the in the third line and the fourth line, seventh best forward. I think if you look at it right now, it probably has to be based on line projections. Nick Waugh, I think maybe I I think depending on if Phil Kessel is playing his way to a a top six role come out of training camp, I think that maybe it's Nick Waugh, maybe it's uh, Jonas Ronbeer. I don't know. There, there, there's so much questions with this. Uh, with this forward group. I'm wondering uh, in terms of uh, Nick Haig now, because they, when they do all the uh, long-term IRs, I think Tyler had the number yesterday about 1.8 left. Um, what's going on with Nick Haig? Is he just holding out for like a Shea Theodore deal? I mean, what, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Because they could just offer him what they're going to offer him and then he'd have to make a decision or just not play this year. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be a Shea Theodore type of deal. I, I do think they're, is some term that is possibly on the books here. I think he does want at least term, and I think he does want probably somewhere in the realm of close to three to three and a half million, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that bad considering Nick Waugh got three million on his deal. But it, it is really interesting that it seems like this front office is very confident that they're going to get a deal done before training camp. And I think ultimately 
they'll move Nolan Patrick to LTIR. I've been thinking that since the last couple of months or so, that I do think he'll eventually land up on LTIR, and I think they'll find a way to get the money to work to where they can get Hague a deal before training camp starts. But ultimately, this is kind of a situation where I, I honestly don't know why they haven't gotten it done sooner rather than later. And it, it, it's mind-boggling that they've been able to lock down the free agents that they have, but ultimately one of your more important defensemen is still sitting without a deal. So it hasn't really made sense to me either. If you were in Nick Haig's situation, would you be willing to miss training camp and potentially miss regular season games to get a longer or bigger or longer contract? I think so, just because you understand the management that is put in front of you and you understand that this cap situation has kind of hindered the fact that you haven't gotten signed right now. And I, and I think when you look at it from the standpoint of they've signed everyone else, and granted, you know, Nick Wall was an important re-signing, you know, Keegan Colsar for 1.4. I know people will debate that as well. But when you look at Nick Hague and the fact that he was one of your top-pairing defensemen for a good portion of the year last year, you now go into a situation where you traded away one of your younger defensemen in Dylan Coghlan for future considerations, and you are still sitting without a deal. And presumably, unless one of the young guys like Korzak or Cormier break through during training camp, you're essentially going in with a, with a group of six that includes Ben Hutton, and no disrespect to Ben Hutton because he was playing so well last year, He's not someone that I want to mortgage my future on. Nick Hay is someone that I would want to mortgage my future on. So if, if it gets close to training camp, if I'm Nick Hay, I'm absolutely considering the thought of at least sitting out a little bit and, and waiting and waiting until something finally comes through. Before we came on, we gave this front office uh, ratings from The Athletic on fan rankings, and the Golden Knights did not fare well. 30th throughout most of the categories, roster building, cap management, draft develop, trading, a lot of these. Has the fan base uh, turned on them a bit? I, I mean, if they haven't turned on them from two years ago, I honestly don't know what they've been doing right now. But <laughs> I, I, I do think there has been some sort of uh, sourness over the last couple of years. At least it dates back to the flurry trade. I, I would be shocked if there is a good contingent of those who have full confidence in this coaching staff or not the coaching staff, the other uh, front office, but they, they did make a move with the coaching staff to where it seems like, see, this is the problem. It, it came down to moving on from Pete DeBoer and going to Bruce Cassidy. And that that's their way of saying, we, we promise that this will work. Well, now you're going into a, a season with a new coaching staff, a team that is full of question marks. You just traded away your best goal scorer for basically nothing. And now you have to contend in a Pacific division that has gotten exponentially tougher this year. I, I know people want to sour on Pacific division. They've gotten better across the board with probably the exception of San Jose. So I, I'm looking at this and it's going to be a lot tougher for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs this year. And if they don't, things are going to get a little, uh, probably a little tense in, as far as their thoughts on the front office. All right, Danny, before we let you go, are the Aces going to win game two tonight? I think so. I, I'd be shocked if they, lose game, if they lose tonight. They have to play better. They have to uh, 
they know that they let one slip away, and I think they realize they got to attack the basket a little bit more in game two, and they should probably win this one by at least 10. So I'll, oh. I'll say yes. Oh, okay. Well, wow. All right. Yeah, uh, da- our, our Danny, what do you think? Oh, did, you, did you put money on this thing? On which one? The aces. The aces. I I legitimately <laughs> thought about it, but I held off. I was going to take them minus six when you guys were talking about it during Monday show, but I did hold off. But we'll see when it comes later to game time. All right. Danny Webster from the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, meet our degenerate Danny. Danny, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Danny. For take care of yourself, brother. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, our Danny. <laughs> Uh, is a complete degenerate. <laughs> let's be honest about that. So the the number is six. Uh, it was on Monday. I haven't checked today, but wait, wait, wait. you went to which Aces game did you go to earlier? I went to the clinching the... game for the yeah. first round, and you bet on all the player props. I did not because you didn't. No, what? no, you're not just, degenerate Danny, Danny anymore. I just left it as the full game because. Uh, I didn't have any money in my account uh, to do it while uh, I was at the game, and I forgot to go beforehand. You ran out of money. But I'm glad I didn't because because of all? the blowout, all three <laughs> player props lost oh, because they right. got pulled in the third quarter. That's right. I forgot about that's right. that. They all, they, none of them played in the fourth. Nope. Didn't even make it to the end some, of the third. Yeah, some of them were pulled with like two or three minutes left in the third. Oh. Where's all the money going, Danny? What, what, uh, what to, sports? To, to his damn, the Rams will be the first team to score seven touchdowns in a game bet. Most of them have gone to football futures, but I do have a couple in hockey already. He's got all his damn money tied up in bets that aren't going to pay out for you six You stay months. away from baseball. Uh, I was I was really into it up until the All-Star break, and then and then after that, I stopped doing it. I've got a team you can bet on. Is it the Dodgers? The team that never loses. Well, for a while that was the Yankees, and now they're they're in trouble. That's right. Dodgers are peaking at the wrong time. Man. They are. You're exactly right, <laughs> but they're peaking. All right. Coming up next, we'll get into some 49ers and their quarterback situation. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Ed, do you want to know what Danny's did earlier in the show? When we were talking about the Golden Knights, he starts looking up Golden Knights odds to miss or make the playoffs or whatever. And then as soon as we ended that segment i hear danny go country to win the stanley cup huh so now danny's gonna somehow place a bet on what country is gonna win the stanley cup (laughs) no i'm not doing that because the line was very heavily favored towards the u.s because canada only has what four or five teams six and they haven't won it in two decades more than two decades but i did place a while you guys were talking to danny i did place a bet on the golden knights <laughs> on the number uh on their total the their total points yeah for the season oh my did you take over under i took under <laughs> what is it 96 and a half that's probably smart you're still listening to this thing far too closely you saw that athletic. You saw that athletic uh, <laughs> fan vote, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! These guys aren't any good. I got to go under on the number." No, it's just with all the injuries and everything, I I don't see them getting off to a great start. So, I mean, once they get into their groove, I'm sure they're going to start winning games. But that if a sl- if they have a slow start, it could hurt them to reach 97 points. All right, play play us the Kyle Shanahan sound. You've got some Kyle Shanahan talking yesterday about his quarterback situation. Yes, and I want you guys to listen to the wording and where he stops and starts. 
having Jimmy there as a backup makes us feel really good because we have a very we have a starting quarterback as a backup. The rest of the league had a chance to get him, and I'm just so feel so fortunate that he's still here in that case. And in no way has that hurt our team. It's it's only helped our team. Okay, so did you guys notice how he? It almost sounded like he started to say, "We have a very good quarterback as a backup," and then he stopped midway through "very," almost to like either not wanting to say he had a very good quarterback, admitting that they might have a better quarterback as a backup. I didn't get that. I didn't either. No, All no. Right. Maybe it's just me. I'm reading too much into it. I figure. Are you gonna? And a break, make a bet on the 49ers because this guy almost said very. Uh, I'll take a look at it, but probably not. I didn't get that. I just thought he said he's glad that the backup's pretty good and everyone else had a chance to get him, and nobody did. As somebody who hosts the sports talk radio show and probably blows things out of proportion all the time, a little bit of a hypocrite right now, I can't believe how much people have blown the Jimmy Garoppolo thing out of proportion with the 49ers in terms of him being a backup or in terms of no one wanting him of him still being on the 49ers no all, all I've seen is like well this means they don't believe in Trey Lance the 49ers options they tried to trade this guy yeah they tried to trade him right and and nobody nobody off, I'm guessing nobody offered them to. anything right? right I'm sure if somebody had offered like a fifth round pick he probably would have been traded right. so I'm guessing nobody offered him really anything for Jimmy Garoppolo. So they tried to trade him, couldn't do it. So the 49ers were left with what options with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? What what were their choices? They could cut him, and I don't think there was any dead cap money because it wasn't guaranteed. They could cut him, and he could go sign with another team, and it wouldn't cost that other team a draft pick, and that other team would probably pay him much less than the $26 million he was going to get. Or they could keep him around for $26 million, or they could say, hey, Jimmy, nobody's willing to trade for you. Are you willing to take a pay cut? We'll fully guarantee it. But are you willing to take a pay cut down to $6 million? We'll build in some incentives for you in case you become the starter. But are you willing to take a pay cut and be the backup quarterback to Trey Lance? To me, of those options, it's a no-brainer what they should have done. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than any quarterback they're going to find to be their backup. Sure. And they got him for $6 million. Yeah. And I've seen people be like, ah, oh, that's a lot for a backup. The Raiders were just paying Marcus Mariota like 11. Like that guy was making 11. Sam Darnold's making like what, 15? And he's not even going to be the starter in Carolina. Like I, I just think if you're the 49ers and you looked at what their options were, cutting him was the dumbest thing they could have done. Because then you go into the season. Who would their backup who would have their been? Ba- I don't know. Who, I have no idea. Who would their they have gone back is. and gotten Nick Mullins after the Raiders released him? Because they had him before. Like, they would have not had a competent backup quarterback. And instead, they now have a backup quarterback. And the thing that everybody's blown out of proportion is they're like, well, this means that Trey Lance isn't ready. Or they don't believe in Trey Lance. Okay. Two things happen could happen here. If Trey Lance gets hurt, guess what? The 49ers, insert Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're the same team they were last year. They went to the NFC title game. If Trey Lance sucks, and we had this conversation about how long it would take for them to actually pull the plug on Trey Lance, but if Trey Lance isn't any good, the 49ers are one of the few teams in the league that know if their starter isn't any good, they can go to their backup and be in a fine spot to make the playoffs. You want to know who it would have been if the if this depth chart is right? Brock Purdy. Oh, Guy's got the a great name. Brock Purdy. He got robbed here. Over Jimmy Garoppolo. But 
I just I feel like everybody has made such a big deal about well this means the 49ers don't believe in Trey Lance and I'm like if you just looked at their options this is the most logical thing they could have done and um also in that interview Shanahan actually said that it was shocking and he thinks that one of the reasons that made Jimmy sign with them again is that he he looked around during the preseason and didn't see any teams lose quarterbacks due to injury so he didn't really see anywhere else right. to and, go. And that goes yeah. to the no trade clause that Garoppolo has. If we talked about it yesterday, if a starting quarterback oh, he'll, on he'll a good leave. team goes down, he'd go if they could trade yeah. him. And, and, and again, team that expects to make the postseason loses their quarterback in week one, two, three, they, whatever. They'd probably overpay for him. They'll, they'll send a legitimate return to the 49ers. The 49ers are going to end up with like a third round pick right. where they couldn't get anything, you know, a week ago for him. They're going to end up with a third round pick for this guy, which would be great for them. And again, if that plays out, we'll look back and say, well, of course, that's what the 49ers should have done. That was the logical thing to do because the other part of, hey, Jimmy, will you take a pay cut? He's a so much easier to trade when you only have to pay him $6 million. Yeah. When, when you got to pay the guy $26 20, million? $26 million. Yeah. I'm not trading for that either. But $6 million? Oh, yeah, I'll trade for him. Hell. Especially if you need a starter. Right. Hell, if I was the Raiders, I'd probably be trading for him to be the backup for $6 million? We just lit that on fire uh, to cut Alex Leatherwood. Jared Stidham knows the offense. <laughs> He's very familiar with the Patriot way. You can't cherry Jared, Jared Stidham. You can't get rid of him. Come on. I mean, you can pretty easily. Like if I and, and also if I was like almost any team in the league, I'd be like, uh, we'll trade for Jimmy G. Obviously, he'd deny it because he'd just be a backup. But like, if I was Kansas City, I'd be like, yeah, well, Jimmy Garoppolo for, for six million. Yeah, we we can do that. We'll make that work. So I don't know. I just think it's been blown way out of proportion what it means that Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back. I think it simply means that was the 49ers' best option, and now they have a security blanket at quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo.